0: Welcome to the Students of the Game podcast, hosted by Matthew DeMarty.
1: Woo! Bring them out, bring them out, bring them out, bring them out. It's hard to yell when the bat rails in your mouth. Come bring them out, bring them out. Hey. out. Bring them out. Yeah. Yeah. out, bring them out. Bring them out, bring them out what's up
0: guys here for another edition of the sotg podcast today i am joined by my brother jonathan and we have a very special guest in hand we have his future teammate for the 2020 olympics with team israel and left-handed pitcher in the chicago white Sox organization alex katz Um, Alex formerly was he was drafted by the White Sox and then he was traded to the Orioles in which he was released and he's recently signed back again with the White Sox. Alex attended St. John's University um, for college where he was drafted out of and he's also started his own business called KD Custom Kicks where they design customized shoes for athletes and different customers. They're really cool so you guys should definitely check that out but without further ado let's uh What's up, guys? How's it going?
2: What's up? Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, glad to be back on the show with you.
0: Oh, yeah. Welcome back, Jonathan. Alex, we're uh, we're super excited to have you on today. I've heard a lot about you for a while now, having some friends who played at St. John's and following your career and actually being able to watch you pitch once, but we'll get into that a little bit later. We're going to start the podcast um, talking about KD Custom Kicks as you are the rare minor league baseball player who's an entrepreneur. So why don't you give our listeners who may not know about it a little bit of background?
2: Yeah, so uh, I was in the World Baseball Classic for Team Israel in 2017, and I had, its kind of funny—I had some basic Nike royal blue cleats, and I knew the games were going to be broadcast on national TV and you know television throughout the world, different countries watching it. So I figured I'd kind of you know spice them up a little bit. I'm not too flashy of a guy, but you know I want to kind of spice my cleats up a little bit. So you know I hit up my friend Anthony, who's a big sneakerhead and I knew he customized some shoes before just for fun, you know, never cleats. Bought some paint, we worked in, together as house for a couple hours, they came out pretty nice. We took some pictures and I jokingly said, let's start our own company. You know, I, I know plenty of guys who play ball, teammates, friends, etc. you know, we could get some business and we named it KD Custom Kicks, my last name's Katz. My friend's last name is Delusia. so, you know, we thought KD was good because, you know, Kevin Durant, it's, all, it's a pretty common you know, a couple of letters, so easy to remember, and, you know, we kind of grew from there. Within two weeks, we were doing cleats for a couple guys in the Yankees, including Aaron Judge, so it kind of blew up faster than we thought, especially considering we thought it would be a joke at first.
1: Yeah. How did you get your first big leaguer?
2: Yeah, so, you know, social media is pretty powerful these days. It's it's pretty crazy. I don't know if we would have been able to do what we do now without, you know, platforms like Instagram and Twitter and stuff like that, but... Um, we did a couple of our friends and um, a page called What Pros Wear. They post a lot of gear for you know mi- minor league, major league, and college ball players, and they feature some of our gear. Some big league players follow that, and then uh, Rob Resnitzer of the Yankees DM'd us. He saw What Pros Wear post, he asked for customs for for him and his friend Aaron. We've you know his friend Aaron was just friend Aaron Judge, just Aaron, just a good old Aaron, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know. Baseball world is small. People talk. You know, teammates see their teammates' cleats. You know, they want to know where they got gone from. And, you know, that's kind of how we grow, just mm-hmm. through word of mouth. Yeah. So was
1: it one person after Ref Schneider and Judge that helped this blow up? Was it, like, one incident? one po- What post? Like, what do you think happened that helped the platform just propel and grow
2: as quickly as it has? No, I, I, th- I don't think it was one shoe or design or one client in particular you told me something about Adam Jones. Is that that's yeah. maybe that's what I'm yeah, thinking? Yeah, I mean, we are we are a pretty, you know, I won't say pretty big. I, I won't even I consider say pretty big. I won't consider ourselves big yet because we're still growing. We're still, you know, only a year and a half old. Very, you know, very young company. But we did make um, Adam Jones his first pair of custom cleats. You know, he's he has a lifetime Nike deal, so that was pretty big to get a guy like that who. Who gets custom stuff already made from Nike? So, mm-hmm. we actually made him Nike Monarch cleats. We had him custom, we had him turn into cleats and then customized by us. And uh, the minor league team that I was on was actually 30 minutes away from Baltimore 30 to 45 minutes from Baltimore this year. So Anthony drove down and we actually uh, met him during Players Weekend and went to that Sunday night game, Yankees versus Orioles, and got to hang out with Adam and you know talk talk some sneakers with him.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, have you thought of the possibility at all, as last year you made it up to high A with the Oils as you inch closer to getting to the majors, that you could be a big league pitcher who's also an entrepreneur, and like, before games you're going over and you're talking about supplying uh, one of your one guy you're competing against with his cleats. Have you ever thought of that possibility at all? Yeah,
2: absolutely, absolutely. I talk about this all the time, especially with family. Um, you know, my ultimate goals are to make it to the big leagues and, and to, you know, blow up Katie custom cakes where it's you know you know kind of taking over taking over the game changing the game being you know being one of the top customer customizers you know maybe other stuff eventually mm-hmm. but you know that would definitely be a dream and actually you know it's actually funny you said that making cleats for you know guys I'm gonna pitch against mm-hmm. I actually have sure. done that a bunch of times <laughs> it actually gives me a little bit more motivation and I have fairly good numbers against guys who made really? customs for us it's actually funny that you mentioned that. That is pretty cool. I've never never thought of
1: it that way. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about the new MLB shoe policy? I think you could touch on that a little bit better than we would be able to and how exactly this has impacted your platform.
2: Yeah, so I actually saw this past week that um, uh, Manfred, the commissioner of MLB, he's he's loosening the restrictions on what players can wear. Um, I know the rule used to be it has to be at least 50% of the main color of the team. And, obviously, teams have their own rules, like Yankees. It's got to be either, you know, 80% black or something like that, something yeah. relating to black or navy. A lot of teams have different uh, rules and regulations. Um, MLB has been has kind of loosened their restriction, restrictions in the past. Mm-hmm. They obviously have Players Weekend now where, That's, you know, yeah. players can wear whatever they want, whatever color shoes they want. That has been big for our business um you know they have jack we have jackie robinson day Uh, father's day mother's Mm -hmm. day guys wearing blue cleats pink cleats Mm -hmm. you know that's definitely big but you know now that the rule has changed i'm sure guys are gonna be more open to wearing different colored cleats or at least you know different designs on their shoes Mm -hmm. it's definitely uh big for us and mlb mlb follows us on instagram uh we have we have frequent communication with guys in their social media department um we're actually supposed to do like a documentary with them for this players weekend that didn't work out but Mm -hmm. we made david wright's last pair of cleats ever so the cleats that he hung up for his career were actually the cleats that we made for him and mlb posted our photo on their page in front of four or five million people so we have a pretty good relationship with mlb and you know we're definitely happy that uh, and they're loosening up the restrictions on what players can wear.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. It's really going to help uh, help your platform and help your business continue to grow. Yeah. Now, if you were the commissioner of MLB, being that you're in the like customization business, um, would you allow players to wear whatever they want, whenever they want, so that they could show a little bit of themselves and how creative they are? What would your opinion on that be?
2: Yeah, I mean, personally, I think you know stuff like this is due to the result or due to the fact that the participation is not as high Mm -hmm. as it has been or what they would like it to be. Um, I think the NBA is growing at one of the you know fastest rates of any any league or basketball is growing faster than any other sport and that has to do with style you know when basketball players walk in you have you know paparazzi or the media photographers taking pictures of LeBron James and all those big time guys of what shoes what clothes they're wearing celebrities on the sidelines you know sitting right on the court what they're wearing mm-hmm. so i think um you know letting baseball players wear you know be like have more freedom to what they wear i think that'll definitely um bridge the gap between you know the game and and the, and the younger generation
1: yeah, no, for sure. And I want to ask one more question about uh, Katie Custom Cakes before we move on to our next topic. What is, if you could let our listeners here know, for anybody that might be interested, what's, like, the turnaround time look like? What's the process like if someone wants to purchase a pair of cleats to you guys? Because I know you have a lot
2: of requests coming in. Yeah, we. I was actually talking to Anthony. We're, you know, we're definitely thankful for this, but we're more busy now during this holiday time than we were during baseball season. So we could just imagine, you know, what it's going to be like during baseball season we hope it'll be even bigger than now so we definitely are busy regular turnaround time or at least anthony's busy because i don't really paint i just help him out with the you know promoting and getting the word out there but he does most of the probably 90 95 percent of the painting so he he's staying busy Um, our regular turnaround time is about three and a half four months Mm -hmm. right now there's a lot of orders we have to fulfill but at the same time we do keep Uh, 10 slots open for rush orders, you know, we have agents, you know, Mm -hmm. what if what if there's an NFL guy that needs cleats by You know week nine week ten whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, we're not gonna tell them. Oh, you're gonna get them in June So yeah, you know, we have to squeeze some people in Um, We're accessible through Instagram DMs email Um, You know, we'll give out sometimes we give out a phone number if that's easiest for someone but mostly DMS and email and we try to get get back to people as well we have a website so you could order through the website we actually partnered with a minor leaguer named Evan Mendoza he played in double-a with the Cardinals he's good with Photoshop mm-hmm. and every Sunday we release a concept kick that he designed and part of that is that we include the shoe and the custom work so the person doesn't have to send their own cleats in we all we already have it all you know made and you just order that um, but we can supply the shoe or the player supplies the shoe sometimes when you know, a big league player needs a shoe by tomorrow instead of overnighting it to us and then us overnighting it saves a lot of, you know, time and money if we just, you know, supply the shoe. So, you know, there's many ways to go about it. There's not one, you know, set way, you know, set in stone of how to order.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually have to ask, what's uh, the favorite shoe that you guys have designed or your personal favorite shoe that you guys have designed?
2: Um, I grew up a Mets fan. I was a big David Wright fan growing up. I, we made him two pairs of cleats i think the captain america uh cool. usa pair was was pretty sweet yeah he's not too much of a flashy guy yeah we made him two pairs as an option because one he's going to display one obviously he wore during the game and we were surprised he took the more flashy one i guess you know that was his day mm-hmm. you know i guess you know kind of break his own rule for one game and i think those are pretty sweet they were it was a metallic blue and a metallic orange both cleats were different colors
1: oh, they were great i love them um you want to
0: change gears here uh let's ask this topic or question will kind of change gears mm-hmm. for us so as a minor league baseball player and an entrepreneur at the same time do you have any difficulties balancing the two and do you think that this is something that's going to start happening more. It's no secret that minor league baseball players do not earn a living wage and that they're not really given the proper resources to sustain the lifestyle they need. Do you think this is going to be a trend where you start seeing more minor leaguers be creative and create their own business so that they can sustain their lifestyle while working towards their dreams?
2: Absolutely. Um, to answer your first question, um, I think they go hand in hand, and I don't think either either of those two affect each other in a negative way mm-hmm. um, you know as a minor leaguer especially a I would wouldn't say especially a pitcher but just as a professional ball player in general you know there there's a lot of free time on my hands mm-hmm. you know where I can't be using that time you know where I need a break you know obviously I, I have a great work ethic I work hard physically my mental game but you know there are those 15-hour bus rides you know so a lot of times during those bus rides, you know, I'm working on, you know, trying to get more followers on Instagram, stuff like that. You know, that's kind of kind in my free time, you know, mm-hmm. instead of partying every day, yeah. I'm the type of person who kind of uses a, a lot of free time on my hand to kind of build the brand. Cause I have, I have a lot of fun with it, you know, mm-hmm. before this even started, I loved cleats, I love shoes. You know, I kind of like artwork, not too big of an artwork kind of guy, you know, yeah. not exactly that type of person, but I just love the combination of art And shoes and stuff like that um as far as your second question um i think it's definitely i think that's definitely going to keep on happening you know i wouldn't say it is a directly direct result of minor leaguers not getting paid you know high salaries but you know if i'm in the big leagues that's not gonna stop me from doing this you know i'm definitely gonna you know keep wanting to grow this as much as i can you know just because i love it you know it's a passion of mine Mm-hmm. Um, there also is a six month, you know, five six month off, off season, you know, where guys typically minor leaguers, I wouldn't say big leaguers, work in the off season, but a lot of guys give lessons stuff like that. So I think it's always going to be something that you know happens. Minor leaguers wanting to you know find another way of making money.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. I like that. It's a really good answer. All right, so let's transition now. Um, so last winter, it's well well documented that Adam Oviedo um, underwent pitch design, developed a cutter up at Drive Line in Seattle. But he didn't spend this whole winter um, in Seattle. He, I'm sure you can speak to this, but he purchased some property in New York City and kind of has his own little facility in there where he does all his training. And you actually happened to train with him there, so. wanted to ask you if you can touch upon this: what it's like training at this place. It's in Harlem, right? Yep. Yep. So, if you can touch on it and tell us some of the cool details and how much fun that was.
2: Yeah. So I know Adam. I've known Adam for you know, for a bunch of years ever since probably freshman year of college when I started training at this place near my house in Long Island. And you know, Adam. Adam's from Brooklyn. I think he used to live in Brooklyn. He lives you know in the New York City area. And he used to drive all the way to Long Island, you know, during rush hour mm-hmm. for uh, probably six, seven years. Wow. So, you know, I couldn't imagine doing that. You know, his family's starting to grow a little bit. He can't he can't be away, you know, the whole offseason. He's yeah. got to spend some time with family. So he was able to find a place in Harlem and built a great pitching facility for him and his friends. You know, it's not like a public facility.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And he invested a lot in, uh, in equipment. And obviously we all we all improve talking to each other, training each other, using all the equipment. And you know, it's definitely helped because um, Adam had one of the, one of his best years in his career last year, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I definitely improved and, and learned a lot working with, you know, him and some of the other guys that come in. So it's definitely, been beneficial
1: so from a player development offseason perspective what kind of influence did he have on you last offseason or anything you learned from him maybe like something with command training stuff like that yeah i mean
2: i set goals for myself during the offseason but just talking with him and some of the guys that come in there you know other big leaguers minor leaguers independent guys you know all different levels college guys you know like i said i set goals for myself but I even improve on things that I didn't even think I needed to improve on just by talking the game and constantly being around those guys mm-hmm. you know just little things like warm up routines you know weighted balls throwing programs pregame catch importance mm-hmm. of pregame catch
1: mm-hmm.
2: it's such you know baseball especially pitching is an art uh, l- many little things go into being successful mm-hmm. and you know what when you pitch well it feels so easy so you know just just a bunch of little things you know you got to put it all together mm-hmm. to, to be the best so mm-hmm. you know no matter what level adam obviously one of the top pitchers in mlb right now mm-hmm. you know he, he's still trying to improve you know so you you can never be complacent you always gotta you know find ways to get better yeah to yeah.
1: hear a story like that i mean a big leader who spent six or seven years driving through new york city rush hour to make his way into long island i mean that's a pretty intense commitment right there. And you got to, you have to applaud that obviously, but what is a, what is a normal day or what would you say a day at the facility looks like when you go to his, when, when you go to train with him? What what does that day look
2: like for you guys? Uh, usually we show up in the morning and um, we warm up, you know, roll out, get ready for whatever we're going to do that day, um, depending on the time of year. Um, towards the end, obviously we're getting most of our thrown in, but early on, we're doing more, just you know, talking, learning a game. Um, maybe doing some weighted ball, plyo, care stuff, just building the shoulder up to get ready for throwing the baseball in, you know, a few weeks. Um, but it gets very competitive in there, especially toward when spring training is coming up. We get more guys in. I know this year a bunch of Adam's big league friends, you know, Rockies and other teams are going to fly in just to just to train and you know use the facility. It's kind of like a drive line East Coast. We, li- we like to call it something like that you yeah know, we got all the same equipment as them adam you know besides trevor bauer i think adam's definitely uh definitely out there as far as understanding rep soto and all that technology and so he's definitely a great teacher but as far as competition i think it's awesome because we play like target games and we do all sorts of competitions he's actually got a pop shot basketball thing in there so. <laughs> that's we like to keep it competitive in there.
0: Yeah, that that's awesome. And uh, I'm going to touch on and you brought up rap Soto, so uh, I have to bring up some of the tech to you. Um before we got um we were talking a little bit about your pitch arsenal and you you throw a good 4 seam fastball, but it's more it acts more like a like a sinker and in terms of its Uh, Axmore is a two-seam sinker in terms of its movement profile and its spin rate. Its spin rate is actually below 2,000, so obviously you work that low in the zone. You've got a really good slider, which I can remember from watching you pitch and striking out 13 dudes against Fairfield back in college when you were at St. John's. Um, You learn that that has a super high spin rate on it. So this past offseason, when you were working with Adam, Did you do any sort of pitch design to refine your repertoire at all um, and take advantage of this technology? Or based on the technology, do you get the feedback, like, I'm using my arsenal uh, as best as I possibly can, and it's pretty good? Or what did you learn from that?
2: Absolutely. Um, So last year, we kind of call it, you know, the Lab Mm 1.0. This year, it's kind of like the Lab 2.0, just with all the new stuff or the new... I wouldn't say new stuff. You know, Adam, Adam had a lot of the high-speed cameras last year, but they weren't all set up because mm-hmm. we need—he uh, needs LED lighting. So it, when you look at the video, it doesn't like flash; it doesn't look like the lights flashing on and off. So a lot of those cameras—he's got stalker radar guns with LED boards. So it's gonna be a better setup up this year. Mm-hmm. So I could definitely work on you know more things and learn more about myself this year. Mm-hmm. But as far as last year, um, I definitely learned a lot especially about the spin of my fastball mm-hmm. um you know the year before I threw all two seams every fastball this past year I threw all four seams but with a different grip than i thrown in the past you know I, f- I feel like a lot of the minor league development is experimental trying mm-hmm. to figure out what's best for you because like I said you're always developing so you know sometimes you have to learn from failure through that process mm-hmm. you know to get to be the best you you got to overcome failure and and learn from your mistakes but um one cool thing I learned you know looking at high speed camera footage from last year is that when I throw my four seam it actually rotates back into a two seam spin so it's really really weird it doesn't have a true four seam spin to it um it's kind of like a knuckleball because mm. the spin rate's so low it's mm-hmm. it's crazy um so you know I definitely learned that I could have success at the knees get mm-hmm. a lot of ground ball rate and I think over on my league career I you know, obviously my slider is a big strikeout pitch, so my game is getting strikeouts on the slider and getting ground balls on the fastball. So as long as I stay true to who I am like that, then I'll then I'll have success.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also like as a left hander out of the bullpen and I hear turbo sinker, is like Zach Burton someone that you like to watch or is there anybody that you try to try to work your craft after
2: or Yeah. I mean I I don't like to emulate one pitcher in particular because I know everyone's different. You know, you're never going to replicate it between one person or the other. But Zach Bryn's definitely a guy I like to watch. He has a similar uh, pitch as I do, you know, sinker, slider. He actually, his brother was my manager this past year and uh-huh. Zach actually rehabbed with my team 2017. So I got to be in the bullpen with him to talk pitching. Um, his, his sinker grip, is actually similar to the way I hold my slider. It's very weird. It's like a one-team yeah. sinker. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think he's one of the few people who could actually throw a pitch like that. You know, just because I hold his grip doesn't mean my pitch is going to be like that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you definitely learn from guys like that, guys with similar pitches as you.
0: Mm-hmm. The way... I like how you brought up your slider grip. When you throw your slider, is there any specific way that you cue yourself that allows you to get significant movement on it and make it be the out pitch that it is?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So... Um, I like to have two pitches. I like to turn into two pitches. Have mm-hmm. one that starts as a ball turns and then goes into a strike. Then one that starts as a strike goes, you know, look ends up becoming a ball. Um, those are obviously used in different situations or even back-to-back, you know, back-to-back pitches on, on a hitter. Um, but I like to call it a reference point. Mm-hmm. And my reference points obviously – a little bit more arm side up because the pitch is going to end up glove side down. It's more of a slurve than like a true slider. Um, I throw it throw decently hard, mm-hmm. but it, it's more of a slurve. So I kind of have that reference point just from that left to right angle.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Um... I love those answers, so let's move on to a little different topic where you two guys can kind of talk back and forth with this. But first, we'll talk about the World Baseball Classic. Um, You had the privilege of being able to represent Israel in the 2017 um, WBC, and as I mentioned earlier, uh, you and Jonathan will be teammates on the 2020 Israeli Olympic team. Mm -hmm. Nice, good good fist pound. Mm -hmm. Um, Can't wait for that. So uh, do you want to touch upon the World Baseball Classic experience at all, and then I'll just let you guys talk about, because you were also able to go to Israel recently, so you guys can touch upon that as well.
1: Yeah, so you threw in, what, four out of six games in the WBC? Yep. So tell us a little bit about your, uh, your impact on uh, Israel's success
2: during this tournament. Um, first of all, it was one of the best baseball experiences I've ever had. Um, you know, we had guys from all different levels, and I'm sure everyone could attest to the same thing. You know, some guys that played in the big leagues for a while, and they said it was up there as far as experience. So definitely an amazing experience. You know, us having success as a team definitely helped, you know, make that experience, Mm -hmm. you know, such a positive. It gave us
1: the opportunity to go on this trip that we went on last month because of the success that you guys had. It helped the game grow as as much as it did, and it gave us the opportunity to go over there, become dual citizens, talk to kids who, just like kids in the United States, want to grow up and be major leaguers. So I don't know if that – I can't speak for sure or not, but I don't know if that opportunity would have been possible if they didn't have the success that they had in the W, or you guys didn't have the success that you had in the WBC. And again, without your impact, so what was it like pitching in the Tokyo Dome and in, in, in this kind of amazing atmosphere?
2: Yeah, so it started in South Korea in the GoChuk Sky Dome, pretty new. Similar to the Tokyo Dome, but the Dome was more of like a glass. It was more like a modern ballpark. Yeah. Tokyo Dome was more like an historical, kind of like the Metro Dome, very mm-hmm. similar to the Metro Dome, maybe, tro- maybe a little bit nicer than Tropicana kind of Field, but so much history. Yeah. It's like the Yankee Stadium, Fenway Park, Wrigley Field of Japan, and there's a lot of baseball there. Um, but I pitched in the first game against Korea. Um, that was a 1-1 game when I went in, and I pitched a scoreless sixth inning um struck out the mvp of the the korean league to to end that inning on a slider i was pretty pumped after that i had so much adrenaline uh going in all four of those games i pitched in that i couldn't really feel the ball coming out of my hand luckily i i had uh you know control of my adrenaline so i was able to you know throw strikes get guys out but that's kind of scary when you throw your warrant pitches in it and you have a feeling that you've yeah. never felt before. Yeah. <laughs> pitching in front of, you know, a 1,000 people, 2,000 people in a minor league game. How many people were there in the for these games? Um, the first game we pitched against Korea, obviously the hometown team. Yeah. Um, they were, it was a full out, sold-out game. That stadium isn't as big as the Tokyo Dome, maybe 25 30,000. Yeah. Um, you know, when we played against Netherlands, Chinese Taipei, Cuba, it wasn't as crowded yeah. because, you know, obviously – Neither of the countries playing in that were the home country that we were playing in. Um, we end. We did play Japan in Japan. Yeah. And I think there were fifty, fifty-five thousand oh people there, and everybody that was was at that game was di- at the stadium during batting practice. Oh my so god! So it was like a whole festivity before the actual event, before the main event. I've never had that much fun shagging BP in my life.
0: You threw that game. How was that?
2: Yeah, that w- that was crazy. I probably had more adrenaline that game than any other game, and. um yeah, that 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 was crazy. That was crazy. We we didn't win that game, so it wasn't you know it wasn't the outcome we wanted. So I would I would definitely say the the game against Korea, the first game, mm-hmm. that was definitely um you know, a lot of fun and definitely meaningful because we had two hundred to one odds of winning the yeah. whole thing. Mm-hmm. And you know, that was the first game I think in the whole tournament. So we kinda put Israel baseball on the map after yeah. that one game. You know. Mm-hmm. Korea was in the championship just a couple of WBCs before, so that was that was huge.
1: So what is there one moment that was your big greatest memory or the most memorable part of this trip, As, aside from you pitching, of course? And I mean that's to be, to be able to pitch in front of fifty, fifty-five thousand people is an unbelievable experience. But was there any moments besides that 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 were the most memorable for you?
2: Yeah. So my parents and sister didn't come out to Japan, but they came out to Korea and. Uh-huh. My parents have never crossed the Atlantic or the Pacific. Like we've been to, you know, we've been on some family vacations, you know, a couple of cruises, maybe the Caribbean, but they've never, my parents are in their sixties. They've never, you know, been to Europe or Asia or Africa or any of those continents. So that was pretty cool for them, especially to be, a, you know, be there in the stadium, my sister too, um, but obviously besides the baseball part, we, um, we went on a tour bus with a lot of the families and guys on our team to the, the DMZ, the Demilitarized Zone. So we actually were on the border of North Korea. That was pretty crazy, looking over into the, wow, into North Korea. That was pretty crazy. Especially tensions were pretty high at that point. So you know, you kind of get a sense of adrenaline. You know, I wouldn't say a dangerous area, but mm-hmm. kind of, you know, being you know, yeah, you know being that's in possible, a dangerous right? area.
1: So as a member of the uh, WBC. T- uh, Israel team that had all this all this success. Do you feel that you are now an ambassador of the game uh, for Israel?
0: And being an Israeli citizen.
2: Yep. Uh, I I think um, I wouldn't cons- I wouldn't really think of myself as that. I mean technically, I guess you could say that. But um, I think the game is growing. It is growing. You know, in Israel. Um, you know, the participation isn't as high mm-hmm. as you know. Hopefully, it'll be in five, ten years from now um so maybe one day i would consider myself that you know especially if i make it to the big leagues you know and you know i definitely had a you know great time visiting israel um you know a few weeks ago yeah and um you know i look forward to going there a bunch more times in the future and help promote in the game so you know i wouldn't really concern myself that yet but hopefully in the future as you know as I go farther along in my career and as I get more involved with Israel in baseball.
1: Yeah, so a little bit of context on this situation here. Um, Alex and I were both chosen now to continue to represent Israel baseball for hopefully the 2020 Olympics. Baseball are being is being brought back into the Olympics for 2020. The uh, difficult part of the situation is I think there's only six countries that are going to be allowed in, so our path into the Olympics is going to be pretty difficult, but um, now as myself, someone who didn't play for the WBC team but had the chance to go over with you and make Aliyah, which means becoming a, a citizen of, of Israel, um, I see the, the amazing impact that you guys had on the country and now I in a way that's how I described it before I left that we were going almost as ambassadors of the game and now it kind of gives me even more even more drive even more of a want to be able to positively impact the country I mean to see the impact that you guys had on the younger kids that are there and how they knew who a lot of you guys were had all had done all this research on you guys beforehand I'm sure a lot of that stemmed from the WBC success it was just amazing to me to see That and then think, wow, uh," I mean, that's the World Baseball Classic. Not everybody knows about that, but everybody knows what the Olympics are. So if we could be fortunate enough to qualify uh, and win some of these tournaments that are coming up in summer and fall of 2019 and have the opportunity to play in the Olympics, I mean, it's just an opportunity that. I think we're all so thankful for and I can't imagine the great things that it could do to baseball in this country or in Israel if we are able to have the same kind of success that you guys had in the World Baseball Classic. So I know we're uh, we're really we're both looking forward to that opportunity and continuing to represent Israel on an international stage
0: yeah yeah it's gonna be uh it's gonna be really cool i'm looking forward to following you guys i wish i was as good as you so i could be your teammates but i'm uh i'm very much looking uh looking forward to that
1: uh, it depends where you're at in baseball in the next few years you could be uh, the next analytics guy for israeli baseball you never know
0: uh yeah we could see that but uh alex we uh we just wanted to thank you for coming on the podcast we uh We we, we really uh, appreciate you coming on. You're kind of the new, uh, kind of like the new minor leaguer. You're an entrepreneur. You throw, you throw in a facility in Uptown Harlem with big leaguers where you guys compete, and no one would even know it. Um, You got to play in the World Baseball Classic. You are now a dual citizen. Um, You got a lot going on, and I encourage everyone to go give them follow on social media. Um, You can share your social media name because I don't want to butch the pronunciation.
2: Yeah, it's uh Kitty Elgato twelve. Um, That's his personal thing. Yeah, I, I, I tried to, you know, I, I've been thinking of changing it, but you know, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know if that will, you know, mess other things up.
0: Nah, it's it's a good name. It's unique. It's uh, you have it because you like cats, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, isn't this a
2: Jose Reyes influence? No, no, oh, just
1: I, a straight Latin baseball influence.
2: Yeah, so when I signed with the White Sox. None of my Latin teammates could pronounce my last name. They would pronounce it kind of like catch instead of cats. Oh, okay. So I just said, you know, either call me Kitty or just call me Gato, which means cat in Spanish. So I think I was bored after one of our, I'm not sure, maybe day games or, maybe, you know, you know just hanging out in the clubhouse and i just decided to change it one day as a joke i think i changed my username like six times that week oh my god well this one's stuck yeah, yeah no i think i i think i got verified with that username so i with heard that if you change your username you lose the verification so i kind of got stuck with it don't change that you can't change it's
1: been working but what's the kd custom kicks tag and the website
2: it's at kd custom kicks on twitter instagram facebook.com slash kd custom kicks and the website is katiecustomcakes.com It's so yeah, yeah. pretty simple
0: yeah so guys go ahead uh, make sure you follow alex on his personal social media kitty el Gato. make sure you follow katie custom kicks on twitter instagram and facebook and of course Ale- as alex mentioned if you are interested in getting some sick custom kicks for the upcoming season definitely reach out to them via dm as he said their dms are open but once again thank you for coming on alex and i look forward to uh following your success and following you two guys being teammates in the Olympics. Can't wait for the opportunity. Thanks for, uh, thanks for joining us.
2: Thank you very much. Thank you guys for having me. All
0: right, guys, thanks for listening to another edition of the SOTG podcast. If you enjoy listening to hearing me speak for some reason, please go on iTunes and subscribe to our, uh, to our podcast and leave a rating if you like. But once again, we'll see you guys next week, and thanks for listening.